Shut up and sit down. This is the Quiet Part Loud podcast, and you're listening to Daryl Hodgett, your host, bringing you the sweet, satin, silky, smooth vibes from South London. It's Friday, 23rd of March, 2018, and we're glad to have you. <laughs> wonder if that voice has ever worked. Like, hey girl, you know, like in the 90s R&B shit. It must have, right? It must have. Hey, girl. You know, when the, the deep voice guy from Boyz to Men would always break into the middle of the song or, or just at the end of the song. Hey, girl. How you guys doing? Episode 21 of the show. And uh, as I whispered to you earlier, it's, uh, it's Friday the 23rd of March. Um, end of ad week. Long long all week um, but wrapped it up last night with uh, with a few drinks and uh, some good conversation putting the world to rights um, with some good folks uh, from around the industry so that was a nice time um, but yeah glad it's over uh, get back to a bit more normality and a bit more work uh, as usual next week I'm going on holiday uh, at the end of next week, so I'll be driving across the country, um, taking the family down to uh, the west coast of England to spend some time in the you know open countryside and down by the beach and doing all that stuff. So that'd be fantastic. Uh, get out of the city for a little bit and uh, and un- unwind, drink some nice wine, look up at the stars, maybe eat some edibles. Who knows? It'd be nice to uh, go and unwind, though. Nice time to uh, go and relax as the weather just seems to be, you know, picking up just that little bit. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to jump on and, and kind of recap the week, what's been going on, and talk about some updates and different bits like that. So, as I said, been at Ad Week all week, and, uh, you know, for, for the most part, it was just... Again, a sales pitch um, and really nobody finding a conclusion uh, or presenting any real solutions to any of the issues that they, you know, that claim to face the industry. Um, You know, these are the experts and, you know, they can't even come to a head on it. So it'll be interesting to see where things go, Um, you know, how the industry, you know, the industry will you know, continue to survive. It always does. Um, but it's just interesting to see the fragmentation of an industry like that. Um, but it's been an interesting week. We were talking about the, uh, the gentleman on the last show that was going around Austin, Texas, uh, blowing people up and he's now dead. Um, he was shot and then I think subsequently blew himself up. Uh, when the police found him, he was wearing a blonde wig, delivering the boxes uh, to various FedEx buildings, um, you know, in different locations to be distributed. Uh, and he was a 24-year-old uh, white kid. So we were a couple of years off with the profile, but generally had it on the money. And, you know, good riddance. I have heard his name, not going to give his name, don't care to really talk any further about it other than the fact that I find it really convenient that you know certain players aren't saying a word about this when they would take every single opportunity to make it um, make it the main mechanism for informing whatever change or policy they wanted to push forward right read between the lines um you know, it wasn't even reported on until the final, you know, the final incident occurred where he changed tactics. And, and again, we covered this in the last podcast. So I'm not going to go on about it. I just wanted to announce if you hadn't heard it, um, that that this person's been expired. But again, it's a, 
you know, it's not an unusual thing to predict when, you know, what the profile of this person might be when you see the nature of the violence or the nature of the act. Uh, I'm actually watching Mindhunter on Netflix, uh, which is really good. Uh, if you're into that whole kind of criminal psychology angle, uh, it's really it's a really good show. It's effectively the uh, inception of the behavioral sciences unit and how they start to classify serial killers. Really good. Might take a little bit of time to warm up to, but I'm on episode uh, episode five, and it's it's starting to get pretty good. Um, so I'm going to, going to see that through. Uh, so check that out if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we put so much focus on, on the wrong things and, you know, then you get Parkland or you get, you know, this thing in Austin. Um, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Um, I'm just glad it's finished. Um, you know, and right when you, right when you think you're not living in a, you know, in a glitch anymore, you see this Cambridge Analytica thing hit the news and the undercover sting that Channel 4 had done with, uh, what's his name, Alexander Nix. Uh, the CEO of Cambridge Analytica, where he's basically just, you know, him and the other guy, uh, you know, they're basically just saying, yeah, we can do effectively whatever we want to influence your elections. And we got this data via Facebook. And Zuckerberg's come out and hasn't apologized, by the way, just to be very clear on that, hasn't apologized, hasn't expect, accepted uh, any responsibility other than to say they should have done better. You know, I appreciate the fact that they've tightened some of this up since. But they say, he said that they're going to review how app developers access other people's data and he's going to review every app from that period of time that had access to a large pool of data. My, my problem is, in the grand scheme of the environment, the app that uh, what was his name? Alexander Kogan. Uh, the app that the personality app that he built for Cambridge Analytica only had 300,000 people using it. And from those 300,000 uh, people using it because of the touch points that it allowed. And again, I'm not a developer. I'm not a software engineer, but um, surely that's going to be part of the attraction of the platform is that it's got these additional touch points. So if you've got 300,000 people using it, you're pulling data from 50 to 60 million. Like, I mean, I don't play those stupid games and I don't answer stupid personality. I don't use Facebook how they promote it to be used. I mean, I just posted uh, the fact that they're so ignorant to this that they posted a survey to me in my feed like the only thing I put on Facebook other than like some pictures here and there is talking shit about how bad Facebook is because I have a page that and I've talked about this before I have a page uh, that is for my fitness training uh, on Instagram and then that goes to uh, a Facebook page and if there is any gym music, like music that the gym's playing in the video, they block it for copyright infringement. It's the most frustrating, ridiculous thing ever. And they're like, oh, we'll post the muted audio part of it. So it's like, a, it'll be, you know, it'll be a, a 30 second video that has music and then five seconds or 10 seconds of blank, whenever their thing picks it up and then it'll carry on. It's so ridiculous. Um, that's all I really use Facebook for, you know, I'll share a couple bits here and there. Um, but I just find it funny that they have the audacity to claim that they're going to solve this problem 
when they can't even recognize that sending out surveys should probably just not be done for a while. Like... You know, it's kind of like a use it at your own risk, but... I mean, so much of your data is out there now. Where, where is it actually safe? Like, what company do you actually trust with your data? And then think about how many companies you've given, like, your credit card information to. It's, I mean, you know, privacy is obviously dead. Um, but my issue with this is that your data is the only thing that Facebook have of any value. Why would you think that they're going to stop selling it in any capacity? Why would you think that they're going to stop, stop making it available to developers, to their main KPI, uh, their main like USP, their main unique selling point is that they have so much quality first party data on you because of the way you interact, the information you submit, etc. That's their main selling point to advertisers to spend billions with them a year. It's their main business model. They allow advertisers to target you based on the data that you put into the system. It's very, very simple. The more they restrict that, the more they restrict their own value. So I don't see it. I don't see it being resolved. Anything digital can be hacked. Like Facebook's no different. So we'll see, but you know, he did an interview on CNN, you know, the Congress have said we want him to testify. The UK um, like committee has asked him to testify. He's not gonna testify. Um, if he does, it'll be lip service. You know, one thing he did say was that he'd be open to considering some sort of regulation on the platform, which I think is a positive. Um, but immediately he was like, oh, add transparency. That's just gonna add value, right, to, to the bigger brands. Um, it's going to make more space available for the bigger brands because you'll cut out, you know, put stringent uh, parameters around it and maybe put the rates up or whatever. But it, it's not going to stop. Face, you're the commodity on Facebook. You're the product. You're what the brands are buying. They're not buying any... They're not buying, like, the design or or, like... They're aligning with an audience. They just want you to click on their thing and buy their product. It's a marketplace for brands, right? You're for sale. So how can it stop? Unless they make you start paying for it. Who's going to pay for Facebook? I mean, their main mission statement is it's free and it always will be. But your data is forever for sale on, on Facebook. Let's, let's get that abundantly clear. Um, you know, and then you get these these companies at Adweek and they're talking about, you know, all the interesting intelligent things they can do with your data. It's just like you're making it a dirty word, you know, and in the way Jews kind of is, let's be fair. Um, but it's part of the reason we can maintain a, a, a free, a free environment on the internet. 
you know, if not, everything goes towards the way the New York Times looks. And you either pay for a subscription or you get three articles a month that you can read and then it blocks everything off. So, you know, it's kind of a trade-off. It's kind of a trade-off. My problem is not necessarily the fact that, you know, Facebook have my data so they can target me with, I don't fucking know, trips to Spain or, you know, Under Armour gear or whatever. Um, It's not that. It's not that because it's the fact that somebody else can get it and then use it to either, you know, kind of manipulate my manipulate my opinions on something without me knowing it or use it where I didn't give them permission to. It shouldn't leave the, the walled garden, right? And it's just that walled garden has so many floor to ceiling windows in it. You know, it's just, just crack it a little bit and the data just flows out, you know. And now we know legally and illegally. So um, that sucks, but it's not going to stop. This is going to be, you know, this will be the first of many. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if it is the first of already many of these. We'll see. But I have to shout out The Guardian because they did a nice little um, interview with the actual whistleblower uh, from Cambridge Analytica. Um, Wiley, I believe his name was. Um, I can't remember... I can't remember. Um, I just like reading this article on on a, on a tech site, and it was it's basically saying that on that personality quiz, on the basis of an average of sixty eight Facebook likes by a user, it was possible to predict their skin color with ninety five percent accuracy their sexual orientation with 88% accuracy and their affiliation to either the Democratic or Republican Party with 85% accuracy. Motherboard actually reported that. Um, Yeah, it's just crazy, man. Um, So yeah, that's, you know, your data's gone basically and it's sold to everybody. Everybody's got your data. Facebook aren't unique. Um, they just have more of it than anybody else. Um, Alfie got in front of, uh, for all you kind of uh, cannabis enthusiasts out there or people in favor of some kind of de- you know, decriminalization or licensing uh, allowance, Alfie went in front of Parliament earlier this week with a petition uh, that had close to 400,000 signatures on it and presented it to the MPs there. Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, uh, Charles Xavier, Patrick Stewart was with him um, when he presented it and did an interview afterwards, which was, uh, which was quite nice. He, uh, you know, he's a very eloquent speaker and, it's these sorts of advocates, you know, Joanna, uh, what's her name? Joanna Lumley, I think. Yeah, jo- yeah, Joanna Lumley and also Richard Branson have come out publicly to support this, uh, the issuing of an immediate compassionate license for Alfie. So we're waiting to hear on that, but hopefully uh, they're going to do that. I think they, in principle, agreed during the meeting that, that, that they would sign off on something like that. But now what they're looking for is a doctor to come to the table and say, I'll, I'll write the prescription. So I'm not sure how far reaching we are with the show yet, but that's kind of the latest on it and now i guess what we need is uh yeah from patrick stewart's quote it says now we need our medical professionals to write the prescription and they will expedite they being the government will expedite the license for him so uh so we need that uh definitely 
And hopefully that's going to be a positive step in the right direction towards this whole this whole issue coming into the 21st century and, and coming into line with the thought process of, I would say, the majority of people out there. Um, I, I don't really think there's much of an argument now by most uh, regarding the medical ef- um, efficacy of medical marijuana. I think, again... I just think we're past that. I think the, uh, you know, as I've said before, I think the the position of this is a harmful substance to the human body. I think we're past that discussion now. And I think we're on to the fact of what do we want to do in terms of regulating it? I'm not saying full decriminalization just yet. Although, you know, if it was my position, I think we've got the framework um, via what they've done in America, plus via the study that clear um, commissioned, you know, there, there's a really nice framework in there. And, you know, from a revenue point of view, you know, you're looking at 60 odd billion uh, or sorry, 6 billion a year. Is it six? I think it's 6 billion. Yeah. Is it 6.7 billion? I think it was. Yeah. I don't want to get that wrong. I don't want to start uh, conflating numbers. Uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll double check. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, six billion, six and a half billion from a monetary point of view, but also, you know, we're, we're talking about just getting out of people's way and letting them do sort of, you know, what they want to do within reason. Um, so yeah, good news, progress on Alfie's case. Um, and obviously we're going to continue to update that because I'm invested in that and I'm invested in that industry and I'm invested in, uh, the progress, uh, that we can make in this area that will benefit more people, uh, than not. So, uh, so hopefully, hopefully the government will come to its senses, move quickly, use this as a really great precedent to allow, um, some proliferation in this area. That's, that's all we really want. Um, that's all we really want. We want we want things to be sensible, right? We want things to be uh, we want things to be looked at rationally and considered on a case by case basis. Um, so good luck. I hope uh, hope Alfie and his family are hanging in there. And again, as we as we evolve this show, I'd love to I'd love to speak to the parents and the family. Um, Some things are in the works to, to potentially bring some guests on. Um, and I, again, we'll keep you updated on that. But uh, yeah, from Alfie's point of view, we just want it to be rational, considerate, and uh, and compassionate. You know, that's all this is about, really. So um, so so let's get our let's get our shit together, please. Uh, speaking of getting our shit together, um, <laughs> so. I'm a I'm a pretty liberal guy, right? I'm I'm a pretty I'm a pretty liberal guy in in a lot of senses of the word, in a lot of senses in my life. But I've also got some conservative uh, views. You know, I want I want a government that is is fiscally conservative, but I want I I want a I want a government that is you know um, socially progressive and socially you know a, a little bit more liberal. Um, there's a point of, there's a point of diminishing returns and there's a point of extremes on both of those things. And an example of, an example of going too far the other way in terms of the liberal agenda, which I'm telling you right now with, with, with shit like this, it's going to turn voters off. Okay. And, and I just saw this. This is on the independent um, UK politics section. I just got to read this to you because it is hilarious. Um, next labor ship. Uh, sorry. <laughs> next labor leadership election should be a woman only contest, says Harriet Harman. Men, the men can jostle amongst themselves to be the deputy says former deputy leader. So, I mean, 
I'm going to read you a quote from her that I've just come across that is, I mean, it's astounding. This is, I don't understand how people have this little of an understanding about what normality is, about what the, about what pushing things too far means. Okay, I'm gonna, just going to read this fucking thing to you because it's hilarious. Next time, I this is this is from Harriet Harman, quoted on the Independent. She said, "Quote: Next time, I think we have to be quite clear about this and basically say there are lots of fantastic men in the Labour Party who would be more than capable of being leader. There's no doubt about that, and there are also lots of women who are more than capable of being leader." And we're going to choose one of those women. The men can jostle amongst themselves to be deputy. When, I'm not done. When asked by House Magazine whether she wanted men to sit out the next contest, Miss Harmon added, more than that, actively support women to be leader. They've got to be holding them. They've got to be holding themselves and each other back in support of the Labour Party getting a woman leader because the Tories have had not one, but two women leaders. So it's becoming a bit of a thing. At the moment, I'm advancing this argument and I'm not saying I'm making a huge amount of progress with it. I'm 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 startling a lot of would-be leaders and they think I'm joking and peel away with laughter and I'm and I'm like deadly serious. I'm like deadly serious. You've had women saying there should be a woman leader. You've had men saying there should be a woman leader, but we haven't yet had the men who are potential leaders saying this is time for a woman. That's the next step. Okay. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about the men should actively sit out and just support the females of the party that would be capable of being leaders. It's not up to you fucking people. You can't decide to just remove one gender from the electoral process in terms of considering who I'm going to vote for. You have to put the best person forward for the job. I don't care if that's a man, a woman, a transgender, a car tire. I don't give a fuck who it is. You've got to give me an equal opportunity to choose the best person. You cannot force a definitive outcome. Like, doesn't matter who is up for the job. We're only putting the women forward and you can choose out of the best women for the job. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. This woman is a fucking retard for saying that. And she should be held to task for it. We cannot go down this road, especially in UK politics. This is what's corroding the American society from the inside out. Because most people don't feel like this. What, what her statement said there, most people don't feel like that. I'm so sorry, but I'm not, I'm not fucking sorry. That, uh, she, Next time, I think we have to be quite clear about this and basically say there are lots of fantastic men in the Labour Party who would be more than capable of being the leader. Okay, you've just answered your own fucking question and killed your own argument. How is this woman a politician? How is this woman a former politician? How is this woman allowed a voice that is considered sensible, reasonable, and intelligent, making dumbass statements like that? You're going to cut all of the men out of an electoral process? And you're expecting to win the government back? What is wrong with you? We got to stop. I mean, this was one of the things that I was talking about um, with some of the folks that I was um, that I was uh, that I was chilling with and hanging out with last night. Um, or I say last night; it was actually yesterday afternoon. Um, there was a there was a kid. He's not a kid. He's a man. There was a man who is under <coughs> investigation or tribunal for touching a woman on the knee during like a conversation. And I'm sorry, but that's not sexual harassment. 
they were having a conversation. He reached out to almost kind of like emphatic, not emphatically, but kind of like to make a point. Like, like I'm very vocal with my hands, if that makes sense. And if you and I are standing in proximity to each other and we're engaged in a discussion, there's a good chance I'm probably going to reach out at some point, touch your arm, touch your shoulder, you know, something like that. Slap you on the thigh if we're sitting down. That's just my nature. But I do that as much to men as I do to women. And, and when I was hearing this story, it really made me sick. It made me feel sick um, that this kid could potentially have um, some of the ramifications coming his way over what is a completely misguided escalation of this situation. And I think we have to be really careful because, you know, it's that kind of culture mixed with this kind of culture of this politic, this woman, this, you know, I'm a lot more familiar with um, American politics than I am with British politics, but I'm, I'm more and more involved in British politics just by the nature of living here. Um, but British politicians are super boring and American politicians are, are less boring and certainly more loose. Let's put it that way. So it makes for good TV, right? It makes for good reading. Um, but the UK is quickly catching up and you're getting all of my attention now. So I'm going to be coming at some of you guys and, uh, and you know, I hope you're, I hope you're thick enough skin to, you know, to hear it. Uh, if you do end up hearing it. But what this Harriet Harman is saying is just completely discrediting. She's asking for men to sit out. Guys, can you put your political career on hold so that we can finally get a woman leader in power? Because, you know, what did she say? Oh, well, the conservatives, the Tories have had two of them now and it's starting to become a thing. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? We cannot descend into chaos and absurdity. And that's exactly what that statement is. Asking a portion of the population not to take part in something to push the equality of another part of that society is not equality. That's all I'm going to say on that until I say something about it again. <laughs> but for right now, I'm done. Um, we just have to be careful, right? Because absurdity is just around the corner. And right now, it seems like this ultra weak, I'm an oppressed person is our next door neighbor in every situation that we're finding ourselves in now. You know, I don't know what happened, but everybody became a pussy overnight and it's, it's really gross. Um, so there's an element of, you know, people need to man the fuck up and start dealing with, with issues like, like issues have been dealt with. Like, for instance, if somebody speaks to me inappropriately, I am going to immediately say to them, I don't like the way you just said that, or why did you say it that way, or can you watch your tone the way you're addressing me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? If someone touches me inappropriately, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them immediately to get their fucking hands off of me because I don't like it, right? Or I'm going to understand it for what it is, which is a harmless gesture that I should not concern myself with for any amount of time other than two seconds as to, I wonder when this guy's or girl's going to get their hands off me. Or, you know, like, does everything have to be escalated to the point of a national crisis? I just, I just think it's really pathetic. It's really getting pathetic. And we have to be real careful about just descending into chaos and absurdity because that's where we're going. I mean, this guy, I mean, it just makes me think of this guy and he's probably a douchebag in real life. He's probably a racist. I don't know. I don't fucking know the guy, right? But what I do know definitively, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, right, it's about this guy. Maybe you've seen the video. Maybe you've seen an article about it, but it's about a guy who's taught his girlfriend's pug how to salute Hitler. And salute when he says, um, Sieg Heil, 
right? Or burn the Jews, right? That's There's a video out there that you can see all of this on. But at the end of the day, it's kind of stupid, right? I mean, it's dumb. But I don't... <laughs> I don't think the guy should like, okay, so this guy taught his girl, I just explained it, right? So, so this guy's taught his girlfriend's pug how to salute, um, the Nazi salute. And he's now been charged with a hate crime. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know, I haven't checked on it today, but um, like he was arrested for this. This went on YouTube and he was arrested for it. He did this, what his claim is. And again, I'm reserving judgment because I think you know, anybody that would even think about doing that as a gag is a fucking loser. But if that's your humor or that's your humor within your circle, whatever, fucking do what you like. But he put it on YouTube and then got arrested for it. And charged with a hate crime. Like, who did he commit a hate crime against? We're allowed. I mean, I don't think like freedom of speech is the same in England as it is in like America and, and stuff like that. I don't think it's written like as a constitutional right. <coughs> um, but I mean, we live in a world where freedom of speech has to be freedom of speech. There can't be a compromise on this. Like I've, I've had this conversation with people before, right? It's like, oh, should we, you know, should, should Britain firsts, uh, Facebook page be banned and my answer off the top is absolutely not I don't want these racists in the closet you want them right out where you can see them right you don't want to force them underground that's that's definitely not the way to to, to deal with this at all we need them exposed and we need to expose them to as much rational content and rational points of view as possible. That's it. But just because I don't like what you have to say doesn't mean I don't think you should be able to say it. Isn't that what freedom of speech is? And don't we have that not as a constitutional right, but as a human right? Because freedom of speech to me is a human right. I should be able to say whatever I want Hence the, the podcast, right? I want to I want to be able to say whatever I want. You may not agree with it, but freedom of speech would dictate that you're allowed to come back and say something in rebuttal to what I've said. You're allowed to have and express an alternate point of view. Because that's the good thing about debate. That's the good thing about getting rid of the the separation of of peoples just because they hold a difference of opinion. It's not it's not a bad thing to hold a difference of opinion. Now, obviously, you don't want a um, you don't want a white national and a black national to be left alone just to have a conversation to you know. Uh, try to work out their differences. I'm not saying that you have to have that um, sort of contrast being shown to one another. But go ahead and say whatever you want. But don't get pissed off when I come and call you an asshole because of it. And, and some people say, okay, well, where does free speech end and hate speech begin? I don't, I don't necessarily think that they're mutually exclusive. It's speech. That's it. Now, should free speech be consequence free? Absolutely not. Right? Because if I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I hate this group of people or I hate that group of people. Oh, and by the way, I plan on, I plan on, killing as many of those people as possible or we need to be eradicated. There are definitions of, of hate speech that I think have to be maintained. But I don't think you censor people from saying them. Definitely not.
you know, I, maybe I've gotten a little off track there. I don't know. Um, but just going back to seeing this guy, I think, you know, probably this guy is a bit of a loser, a bit of a, you know, we definitely don't see eye to eye on kind of like what humor is considered to be. But if he's getting back at his girlfriend, which he claims to be, and he's taught this dog how to do this thing that he can trigger at any point. Okay, cool. Who's he hurting? What criminal act? Who has he incited racially? Do you think a gang war or a race war is going to break out over the back of this pug? Saluting Hitler? I mean, this is what this is what I mean. We can't make this left turn to absurdity. We just can't. We got to pull ourselves back from this. We got to recognize that this is absurd. We got to recognize that this this kid has no business being anywhere near the criminal justice system for posting a video on YouTube of his fucking lap dog sitting up and saluting a video of Hitler. It's 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 actually quite funny, right? Of course, again, maybe he shouldn't have said burning the Jews as a trigger word or whatever, gas the Jews as a trigger word. Maybe he shouldn't have said that. But he's a loser if he says that, right? Like we already know about that guy to a certain extent. We already kind of know about this type of personality over here. And, and okay, so what? Is there anything that's, that would signify this guy is a danger to society? If there is, okay, then let's, let's have him in for questioning for sure. But you cannot arrest the guy on the basis of a fucking YouTube video. That's big brother shit. That's thought crime, and we cannot go down that road. We can't go down that road, guys. I'm telling you, um, it's just a dangerous, dangerous place to be at. Um, so I hope that guy, I hope that guy's just let go because there's real, really no basis in which to be charging this guy with a hate crime. Um, and all you actually do when you start to label these things so severe is you make it you make it more broad for the actual bad guys. You make the space a lot wider for where the bad guys can actually play. And you shouldn't do that. You need you can't you can't broaden the field on what's considered racist because it desensitizes people to it. Like, don't forget, like Charleston, North Carolina had racists walking through the, the street, albeit looking like idiots, with tiki torches on fire and Nazi symbols and shit all over the place. Like, I mean, there are real racists out there. But if you think that the guy teaching his pug to salute a Hitler video is the one you've got to worry about, you're not going to see the real thing coming and it's going to fucking beat you over the head and you're you're done before you know it. So you got to be real careful on what you start labeling sexist, racist, you know, homophobic, transphobic. You can't just launch these horrible, horribly detrimental um, phrases and names at people because one, you fuck up people's lives unnecessarily and label because you're dead by accusation nowadays, right? If you're called a rapist, you're a fucking rapist for life, even if you're exonerated, right? If you're a racist in front of a group of people, you're a racist every time that group of people sees you, even if you're not really the label they're giving you, right? So we got to be real careful about that. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to go today. I feel like I feel like maybe wrapping it up. Um, the only thing I did want to talk about before I go is how phenomenal Jim Carrey's art is. I know we're completely switching and uh, and jumping into a different lane, um, but it only is it, it only reminds me of it because um, <laughs> he's recently come out with the Sarah Huckabee Sanders painting and then Donald Trump as the as the witch the wicked witch um from the wizard of oz and they're really good <laughs> they're really good and Jim Carrey is a real artist and he's real political and he's really he's really clear on how he thinks and I really like that 
I mean, I've always been, I grew up on Jim Carrey, right? Who didn't? Uh, that's my age. Um, you know, from doing time on Maple Drive to In Living Color, Fire Marshal Bill to Ace Ventura to, you know, Dumb and Dumber and all the way up, all the way up, you know, um, he's just, he's just a, he's a beast. He's a beast. Um, you know, if you haven't seen Jim and Andy on Netflix, I'll blow your fucking socks off. The guy's, uh, the guy's next level, man. Um, but if you haven't had a chance to check out his art, check out his art. I think it's, uh, I think it's really good, really creative. Um, and it's just nice to see him doing well because I know he suffered from pretty severe depression before. Um, and it's just, it's just good to see him doing, doing beautiful, creative stuff. And, uh, and if you could take a jab at the, uh, you know, at the devil and his, and his assistant, then, uh, then good on you. Good on you. I'm all for it. Um, but check him out if you haven't had, had a chance to have a look. Um, so just an update on going forward. Like I said, I'm away next week, uh, but that's not until Friday. So I imagine around probably Wednesday or something, I'll pop another one of these out, but we'll see what's going on. Um, one thing I definitely want to do before I go on holiday is do a proper uh, UFC 2, is it 223, I think? Um, do a proper UFC 223 uh, preview. I'm just going to double check now. Um, I believe it is, uh, it certainly is. Oh wait, that's April 7th, uh, April 7th. Oh, so maybe I'll do it the week following. Okay. So, so I'm away next Friday and I'm going to probably knock out another episode on Wednesday or something like that. Uh, just to hit before the weekend and then I'll be back on Wednesday of the following week. So I'm going away for five days. Um, well, I'm going to be back on uh, Wednesday, I believe it is, of the following week. So then I'll do the preview on probably a Thursday of UFC 223 because, let's be honest, guys, and you can already hear my voice going up, right? Please cross all your fingers and all your toes that Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson stay healthy until the night of the 7th. Um, of April because this is the best fight of the year. It's in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center and it's for the 155 pound title and most likely Conor McGregor's next opponent. It's huge. I cannot tell you. It is huge. This this fight has been scheduled three times and not happened. It has to happen this time or my heart's going to break. Okay? So, guys... You're not going to listen to this. You're probably not going to hear this, but I'll tag you on Twitter just for shits and giggles, right? Stay healthy, please. You break my heart. You're going to break everybody's heart if one of you guys fucking twists a leg or can't make weight or whatever. Keep your shit tight. You guys are the best in the world at what you do. Make it to the octagon on on the 7th of April and give us a fucking show that we've been waiting for for, for a couple of years now, okay? Um... <laughs> Um, I'm so hyped for this event. I can't. I thought it was next weekend. I'm going crazy. I'm like, oh, I got two more weeks left. We got, we got two title fights that night. I think two title fights that night. Yeah, we've got um, Rose and uh, you want a rematch as well. So I want to break all this down because we've got Calvin Qatar on the on the um, on the card. We've got Anthony Showtime Pettis on the card. We got Ally Quinta Paul Felder on the card. We got my girl Carolina Kovalkiewicz on the card as well, which is beautiful. She's fighting Felice Herring, and uh, and Caroline is a little cutie savage. Um, so that's going to be cool. We got Joe Lozon, always down to bust heads. We got Evan Dunham. We got Alice Caceres. We got Beck Rollins. We got, we got a good, good card. Arton Lobov's on that card, thanks to Connor, I'm sure. Um, just convenient, right? Because if Art Artem Lobov is there, there's a good chance that Connor's going to be there as well. And then who the fuck knows what's going to happen after that. So I'm super psyched about that. And I'm going to give you guys a full breakdown next week when I come back from holiday. Uh, no, week after next when I come back from holiday. Um, and we're going to break that. We're going to break that fucking card down. Um, we're we're going to do a lot of that card. There's a lot to break down on that. So I'll make sure I'm up to uh, up to snuff on everything in terms of records and 
strategies and, and I'm going to have my picks for you as well. I can't even believe I'm going to pick on the Tony Ferguson Khabib fight. Um, so fingers crossed, guys. Everything stays safe until then. All right. Now it's the weekend. So go and enjoy yourselves if you listen today, Friday, the 23rd. This has been episode uh, 21 of The Quiet Part Loud. Thank you guys for all your support. It's um, appreciated more than I can ever put into words. I'm really enjoying doing this and just want to get better for you guys. So um, so I appreciate the support. I hear the feedback. I've had that feedback. Um, I don't know if I've applied any of that feedback today. And if I haven't, then apologies. I'm always working on it. We're always growing. This thing's never done. Okay. There's never a final iteration of this thing. Um, but while you guys keep listening, uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing it. And uh, and I should have some updates for you on uh, on different things that we're gonna do with the show going forward. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, but those will all come out in, in, in due time. So keep uh, keep listening. Keep tuning in. Keep downloading. We are on iTunes now. So. Uh, the Quiet Part Loud podcast, you'll see it. Uh, there's a coffee cup on the on the main logo there. Um, so you can check us out and download us and subscribe. Give us feedback, rate us. All that stuff helps, guys. Um, so uh, we're always in the same place as well on Twitter and Facebook. So you can link to any of the shows on SoundCloud through uh, Facebook and Twitter. At Quiet Part Loud is the handle across both. Um, and yeah, just a big thanks, guys, for listening. Um, we're doing it anyways, but having you guys out there uh, with us in your ear is, uh, it makes it all the more worthwhile. So anyways, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, go and enjoy your weekends. That's enough of my voice. Um, we'll be back next week. See what the deal is. Um, hopefully there's some more news and views, but you know, in this day and age, it's never a quiet one. So uh, I'm going to enjoy my weekend now, relax with the dogs, and I'll see you guys uh, at some point next week. So thanks again for listening. And until next time, all the best, guys.